Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. I'm Jay Crawford. This is the show where we're lucky enough to get to sit down with some of the all-time great and even some current members of the Cleveland Browns to relive some of the great plays from the past and also catch up with what they're doing now. Thrilled this week to be joined by former running back for the Cleveland Browns, number 34, Greg Pruitt. Greg, great to see you. Thanks for yeah, making time for us. Good to be here. Thank you. The only thing that's missing is the tearaway jersey. That was right, such a big right. part well, of your well, I career. Gonna, I was going to say it was too cold for that, but <laughs> I've been out here on days like that with it. Absolutely. Yes, you have. Um, nine seasons with the Cleveland Browns, 12 seasons overall. When you look back on your, on your NFL career, is there, is there one game, one play that stands out above all others? Um, well, there's a lot of memories, to be honest with you. Uh, I, I guess the one that... Uh, stands out as as a running back what makes you different from everybody is a rush for a thousand yards yeah so we played against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and I was going to get a thousand yards I knew that but that was the last home game and I wanted to get it at home and I had to get over 200 yards to do it and uh, and I was able to do that and I got what I thought a standing ovation yeah so I remember I, that's, that game that's my fond, fond memory I, I mean I was so excited about getting a thousand yards they started celebrating. I could have played and even got more yards in that game. That's, that's what I thought about the next day. I left some yards on the field. So uh, I want to come, we'll come back and we'll talk about memories and, and times here in Cleveland. But I want to go back to the early years. Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. What was life like for a young Greg Pruitt growing up? Oh, well, we played all sports. You know, we found something to do to bide our times. And it, it, it was just like sports are today. It went, if it wasn't football season, it was baseball season. If it wasn't baseball season, it was basketball season. Or if it wasn't track, yeah. we did one or three. Even run around the block, but we didn't have a track. We played <laughs> baseball with a with a with a uh, uh, a broomstick. Sure. And uh, I, I remember some of my fond memories and uh, had an opportunity to uh, uh, back play go play golf with Jim. Jim was one of the first guys that I knew played for the Cleveland Browns. Yeah. And, I remember uh, watching uh, Cleveland play the New York Giants, and uh, Jim ran a sweep to the right. When he got to the sideline, he turned up, and uh, he, like, broke three tackles and ran for a touchdown. Oh, we just went crazy. <laughs> so after the, after the game was over, of course, we go out, and we all, I'm going to be Jim. I'm going to be Jim. So really? We, pick, we picked straws to who was going to be Jim, and one of my friends named Charles Law. Uh, he got the opportunity to be Jim, and I, I told Jim, I said, Jim, how does it feel that, you know, so many people love you? He said, oh, you know, it feels pretty good. I said, well, I know one guy I don't like you at all. <laughs> he said, what you mean? I said, the guy's name is Charles Law, and I started to tell him that we had watched him run that play, and then we went out and we picked straws. He got to be Jim, and he's running a sweep. We got a touchdown. He slows down. He's trying to reenact what he saw on TV. <laughs> and so three guys hit him. Thus clear, we broke both his legs and his arms. <laughs> he, he limps to this day. And I told you, I said, he do not like you, Jim. He limped wow. because he tried to be you. That's a crazy story. And yeah. then years later, you would end up playing for the same franchise. And obviously, well, I say you never know. I, pe I tell people all the time, I say two things for me are true. Dreams do come true and prayers are answered. I know my mom prayed enough for me. And my dream did come true. I'm living proof of that. Wow. So you never know what's going to happen. Right. Good is one thing, but being lucky and being in the right place at the right time. Were you a Browns thing. fan growing up in Houston, or you just um, you just loved that, Jim Brown? That Dallas Cowboys, you know. Yeah, yeah. When when you're in Texas, yeah. But but you have your favorite players, and so sure. of course Jim was and still is probably the best to tote the pill. Yeah. And so he's talked about a lot. Yeah. Was football your main sport? Was it your first sport? How no. did you, what, what was your sports journey my, like? My first sport was baseball. Was it really? Yes, my, my grandfather played in All-Negro League. No kidding. And when he retired, he had a, uh, he coached the team. And so in the summers, we would spend the summers at, at, with my grandparents. And so me and my brothers, we would be bat boys. And so I learned how to play uh, baseball first. So I, I, right. I liked baseball. So when I got to organized sports, uh, the track coach, who was also the basketball coach, assistant football coach, and the head track coach, he would have these 
PE sessions where it will really be like combines. <laughs> you know, he's trying to find out what he got, who, who who's he coming, who's doing whatever. <laughs> right. And so uh, he wanted me to run track. And at the time, I, I played baseball, so we didn't have the facility, so I had to choose one or the other. So I chose baseball. So my senior year, I, I'm going to get a scholarship to Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma sends me a brochure. I'm looking at all these 210 and six feet, and I'm like 5'9", 141 pounds or whatever it was. I'm saying, man, I don't know if I can get taller, but maybe I can get faster. So I decided my senior year to go out for track. So the coach was upset with me that I had wasted my the opportunity with him as a senior. Now it was all me. It was sure. about me yeah. being selfish. And so he said, I Greg, all the spots are taken. The only thing you can do uh, if you want to go out for this track team is you got to run hurdles. I never run hurdles in my <laughs> life. I'm like five now. I said, oh, he's trying to run me out. But I've always been competitive. If, right. if you tell me I can't do it, that's the worst thing you can do because I'm going to die trying to prove you wrong. So lucky for me, that was a gentleman named Scotty Jones. Uh, he was uh, uh, one year behind me. He went on to, uh, I want to say, uh, Texas A&M. Actually, he was invited to the Olympics and he won the SWAT. He actually taught me how to run hurdles. So my one year, my senior year, the only person that I didn't beat was him. That was in the state. No kidding. Yeah. And is that the only event you did was just the hurdles? I ran 120 high hurdles and 330 intermediate hurdles. Yeah. I'm sure he could have used you as a leg in the four by one or even just. Well, a, we, had a, open... we had a great track team. So, I mean, he called himself really trying to run me off. He wasn't interested. Yeah. He thought I would get discouraged and I did, but Scotty really motivated me and told me, you know, this is what you do and you'll get better. Yeah. And, uh, I remember, uh, one meet we were at and, uh, I, I broad jumped, high jumped that day, ran 120 highs and the uh, intermediate hurdles. And true story, I'm, I'm high jumping. So I get on the bar, it's like maybe six feet, six one or whatever. Yeah. And I, I get in the bar bounces and it goes straight up, almost look like, like eight feet. And it comes back <laughs> down the... and it's going doing this there. And I get out of the pit. And if you get out of the pit before it hits the ground. It's a jump. It's a jump. Yeah, that's clean. So I end up winning. The, I end up winning. <laughs> So the coaches in the main stadium watching the sprints, and so they send send back the results of what we're doing, and they come back and say, "You ain't gonna believe this." He's like, "Pro, it won a high jump." He said, "Did he win a high jump?" He said, "Hey, I'm just bringing you the results, the high jump." So I did broad jump. I won the broad jump. So he said, "Man, maybe maybe I should have let him put him on some sprint teams." But the first time he got to see me uh, run was was the hurdle. So that wow. day I ended up like. Almost 40 points myself that day. Good Lord. Yeah. Four firsts. That'll, that'll Four firsts, yeah. Yeah, that's nice. <laughs> so was football your thing, though? Like, is, is that where you felt most comfortable? Well, I liked all sports, but after high school, my opportunity was through football, going, going to the University of Oklahoma. What was your recruitment like? I wasn't a whole lot of people after me. In fact, I think I had four uh, Division One schools recruiting me. There's a lot of uh, historical black schools. Right. Uh, was it because of your size, you think? Be yeah, because of my size. And then, then the University of Houston was one. The University of Oklahoma was another. And uh, I think it was Utah, and I can't remember, or Wyoming. It so was, was, it, like was it an easy choice for you then? I mean, when Oklahoma was in that my mix. My mom made my choice. <laughs> <laughs> she wanted her baby close to home. <laughs> well, you know, even having four schools everybody's preaching the same thing right so i'm a young guy i'm listening i'm saying, i'm confused all these can't be the best place for me i so i told my mom i said mom i'm having a problem i don't i really don't know you know where i want to go and so she said okay well maybe tonight and uh one day this week we'll sit down and we'll discuss all of them and then i'll help you make a decision so a couple of days later i sit down with her and uh it's only it's only one envelope it's oklahoma I said, I got, I got other people. He said, no, 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 you got to, first of all, you can't stay in Houston. You got too many friends, too many deterrents. Got to get away. And you got to get away. Yeah. And then there was three guys from my school that was already in Oklahoma. So she knew about Oklahoma. She had spoke to the parents. So Oklahoma was front runner. Was Barry there yet? Was oh, he was offense quarterback. Yeah, okay. And, and so it was Oklahoma. The other, Wyoming was too far. So, right, right. So, it was an easy decision for my mom. <laughs> yeah. What was that transition like 
for you, leaving the comforts of home in, in Houston and going to, to Oklahoma? Well, I got homesick. And, and, but what helped me was uh, I had three other high school teammates that yeah. were already there. So they kind of paved the way for me. But, right. And then those trips home, you know, taking the breaks. It was interesting in, in, um, in high school, you talked about playing all these different positions. Um, but when you get off to, to college, things change for you pretty quickly. They, they switch over to the wishbone, and, and suddenly you end up as a halfback. What was that transition like? Well, for you? I, I tell people I had three position changes, hated all three, and they happened to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. My, uh, I was a high school quarterback, mm -hmm. and uh, my senior year, I, I found out later that uh, because of my classmates that had played before me, they were pretty good. And so Oklahoma kind of felt like we had some guys behind or after me that could come and continue to help the program. So my uh, head coach, Wendell Mosley, he kind of negotiated with uh, Bill Michaels, who was the offensive lineman coach at the time. And they became real, real good friends. And he said, well, listen, I, if, if you want to keep recruiting guys and to Oklahoma, you got to get, get a guy every year. And so the, wow. so the best guy that we have is Greg. But I was a quarterback. There were no division black quarterbacks. No. So my first position change was from quarterback to receiver. I didn't like it. Right. But I understood why it happened afterwards. So I went to Oklahoma uh, prior to signing a, a commitment to Oklahoma and had a, I did a workout. So when I went, <laughs> when I work out, this is the story that Coach Switzer tells that he goes out and we do this workout with the quarterback and he comes back in and, and Coach Pepe wanted to know how did it go. And uh, he told him that uh, we're going to have to find a spot for the other guy to play because he's not as good as Pruitt. And really? And that's what he said. No, yeah. So that's how Switzer was. But uh, so I worked <laughs> out. I, I was excited about getting the scholarship. I worked hard. Uh, uh, I knew I was small. I knew that speed was uh, an equalizer. So if I couldn't uh, improve upon my how big I was going to get, yeah. I can improve on my speed. Yeah. So I I went there as, and, and when I played also, you couldn't couldn't start as a freshman. You had to right. play a freshman schedule. Right. And so <clears throat> I I led the, the all the receivers and all the stats in the freshman team. So I just knew I was headed for a starting position at uh, on the varsity. So the next year I actually did. I did start in the second week of my sophomore season. Actually, it was the week that we were going to play the University of Texas. We decided to go from the veer to the wishbone. Mid-season. Mid-season. So we in they closed practices. Nobody knew nothing. In fact, uh, my number changed that week, too. I pre the pregame warm-up for the Texas game, my number was 83. When we went back in and came out and kicked the ball off, my number was 30. And they had no idea. They had no idea. But, well, it didn't matter because they told us how to run the wishbone that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were used to that. They, they were used to what it looked like. Yeah, they they beat us like 49 to seven or something like that. But that's after an that, interesting tactic. I've but never after heard that, of that, we reversed it. it, it you know, yeah. it, it was they couldn't they couldn't touch us. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Clutch performance when it matters most. That's why Bridgestone DriveGuard tires are built with the resilience to withstand bumps, bruises, even nails. Engineered to drive up to 50 miles after a flat, they're designed with the sole purpose of getting you where you need to go. Bridgestone, official tire of the NFL. Well, you certainly settled in um, as as a halfback, yeah. 1,700 yards, you named a consensus All-American. What was it like going from one position to the other and then really standing out, being one of the best at that position in the entire country? Well, I have to give that credit to Coach Switzer. Coach Switzer is one of those guys who's he's obsessed over speed. So if you fast, he thinks he can do a lot of things with speed. He studied the uh, wishbone that Texas was running mm -hmm. and, and Texas had nobody that was at those positions running as fast as we were running and but they were doing big things offensively so he figured with speed uh, 
the 10 yards, the 12 yard gains could be touchdowns. Right. They could be 70 yards. Sure. Runs, and he was right. And the key to it was Jack Mildred. You had to have a tough quarterback. We've had some great wishbone quarterbacks in Oklahoma. And people ask me who was the greatest, and I always say Jack Mildred because really? he was a tough guy. Well, he's willing always, to hold on to it to the last had, second. Yeah, he always took the hit to make sure that you could get outside of container. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing videos from that team. Oftentimes, he was still holding the ball while yes. he was getting hit. Right. Yes. And still right. making right. the perfect pitch. And even if he went downfield, if you kind of slowed up after he turned, he would get mad that you wouldn't follow him because he would pitch the ball, <laughs> right. you know, five or six yards down, down the field. And he always did the right thing. To me, that was his biggest thing. He always had the ball in the right place. I mean, obviously, um, you went on to have a tremendous career. Well, I met Alana. Uh, uh, a lot of my teammates became very good friends. We still remain friends today. Uh, Coach Swisser has been like a, like a father. Sure. And you cannot come to Oklahoma and don't call him. Two things going to happen. He's he going to know you came to Oklahoma You'll and call him. And he's going to call you and he's going to be mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the first call you make when that's you're the headed first back call home. You, yes, yes. What was your pre-draft experience like then? Because it's so different now. Well, because of my career in college, I, I thought I was going to be a first-round pick. Mm -hmm. I just didn't know where I was going to go, but I had an idea. Coach Fairbanks was the head coach at Oklahoma when I was there. My senior year, when I went to the pros, he got the job at New England. Right. He had three first-round picks. I knew I was going to be one of those picks. And I was a journalism major, so I had access to all, any kind of information. So we had already planned a party. It was, you know, after it was official, we was going to celebrate. You were so going to Boston. First round, yeah. First round came and, and went. Not drafted. Oh, I panicked. Did he talk to you Not leading up to that? No. To make you think he was no, going to take you? No, no. I just, this is this is me. You're just doing because the supposition. Once, once he took the position, I didn't see him again. Sure. And so, now, and this is right about the time I had, I had been playing. I, I didn't play golf. I started playing golf as a junior. I hated, I really hated golf. Yeah. One thing about golf, it was a great place to hide. <laughs> it's a big course. <laughs> right. So I went to the backside of this golf course, and some reporter found me and told me, he said, you just been drafted by the Cleveland Browns. Man, I was, whoo, I was just happy. And then yeah. I thought, you know, Jim Brown, you know, I'm a running back. He's the greatest, you know. Er, was it uh, early second round? Uh, the first pick in the second yeah, round, okay. which would be the last pick in the first round. Today. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Did you ever, did, did that sort of spur you a little bit, like to say, you know, wait a minute. I was supposed to go a lot earlier, well, and I slipped yeah, that, to 30. Well, I, I, I was disappointed, but I was more disappointed in Coach Fairbanks sure. because the question mark for me was whether I was big enough to play. Why I just played for this guy four years? Who, who, knew that, who knew the answer to that better than Coach Fairbanks? And having three picks, you mean I, it's three other guys? other than me, better than me in the first round. So that was, that was my thinking. And uh, I remember uh, coming to Cleveland after I was drafted, they introduced all the draft picks. We had that press day and the little workouts and all of that. And back during that time, it was TWA, Transfer Airlines. And the only way you could get to Oklahoma is through St. Louis. And no matter where you was coming from, that was a connecting city with St. Louis. So afterwards, uh, I, I get on the plane and I make a connecting flight in St. Louis and I get on the plane, it's like almost one o'clock in the morning. There's only like five or six people on the plane. And so I go to my seat and then a stewardess comes and tells me, say the gentleman in first class would like to buy you a drink. I said, oh, okay, I, I got a fan. So she bought me the drink. And when she bought me the drink, I looked up to thank the person and it was Coach Fairbanks. <laughs> <laughs> and I told her, no, I don't want it. You sent it back. I sent it back. Yep, I sent it back. Because I was upset with him. What did he say? He didn't say anything. He didn't, I was in coaching. He was in first class. So three years, three times I played Coach Fairbanks. Uh-oh. And three times. You danced on him. I, I, I reminded him that he made a mistake. The one, the best one was 
first time we played them, I was a kick returner, and I was leading the league in kick return, punt return. Al Table was special teams coach, and so Al said, well, you know, Chuck ain't going to kick the ball to you. He said, but I'm going to go, and I'm going to see if there's some kind of way we can get you the ball. I said, okay. So I didn't think about it no more. And then uh, on Wednesday, because we was off on Tuesday, he was all excited about it. He had found a way to get me the ball. I kind of forgot what he was talking about. So we went in the, in the uh, film room. We started looking at the coverages and the kicker. And then New England had a kicker. He was from overseas. He was a soccer player more so than a football player. And he was drafted not so much his knowledge of the game, but because of his legs. But he, he was a sidewinder. Side so we figured out if he put it on one hash mark or the other hash mark, we knew what side of the field he was going to kick the ball off. So the plan was if we won the toss, to stand single file, and then I, based on what we had figured out, we were going to go to the side we thought he was going to kick the ball. So we go, flip the toss, flip the toss, win the toss, and we accept the kickoff. And... Uh, they set the ball up, and normally what we thought, he set the ball up on the side that would kick the ball to the right, and I'm the guy on the left side. So we stood single file, and when he held his hand up and they blew the whistle, he took two steps, and I ran to the side he's going to kick the ball. Right. Well, he stops and calls timeout. Because he, he knew you guys were onto him. He called timeout and started to walk off the field, and Coach Fairbank met him, and you could just see body language. He was, he was not happy. And Peter Hadhazer, who later came to the Browns, told me what was said. <laughs> and uh, he said what he what, what Chuck asked him, why did he call timeout? And he said, because Mr. Pruitt, at least he gave me some respect. He said, Mr. Pruitt is lining up on the wrong side. <laughs> he thought I had made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuck is so mad at him. He said, we don't pay you to make those kind of decisions. We pay you to kick the ball. Go kick the ball. So he goes back out. He lines dry out. I go, 89 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> and they never recover from that. Now, we only won like five games that year. Uh, New England, if they had won that game, they would have they uh, clinched a division, got a bye, and got into the playoff. They lost the game. And everything that could happen to keep him out of the playoffs happened. happened. So you wrecked, you wrecked, wrecked the season? I wrecked his season. <laughs> right. Then we played him Monday night. That's when you should have sent him a drink. Right. right, right. <laughs> then we played him here, Monday night football, New yeah. England. And uh, I think I ran one back, uh, threw one, caught one. But it was a Monday night game. I was MVP of the game. And during that same year, I was uh, watching ABC Superstars. Yeah. And uh, I called my agent and asked him, what do you do to get on ABC Superstars? And he called me back and he said, well, I know the person that makes that decision. We're going to write the letter, and then we're going to wait, and we're going to hopefully on Monday night, every, it's the only game in town, you have a good game, we're going to send that letter. <laughs> so we played New England, ended up beating New England. And after the game, man, I, I was, it was like, I think the game was over like 11 something, like 12 one o'clock. I was at the main post office, put my letter in the mailbox, <laughs> and I got and you I were got, on that and show. I, got I remember that's seeing a, you on that. That's show. how I actually went to that, and I won the superstar. I remember. And so the uh, lady asked me, I mean, that wasn't a lady. It was uh, on Monday Night Football. He used to play uh, Howard and uh, uh, Frank. Frank, right, Frank Gifford. Yeah. And uh, Frank asked me uh, if, I, if I could put my finger on one thing as to why I thought I won the Superstars, what would it be? I said, writing that letter. That's great. <laughs> Didn't you kill the weightlifting competition? Yes, yeah. I, it's a, it's, listen, when I came up, uh, it was in the Superstars that I actually got time for the first time in 100. You would never run 100 before to a clock? I never ran 100. Because we had great track stars. I was a hurdler. They, they, I never ran for times other than But you than had world-class speed. Well, I, I mean, I ran, uh, I, I, in high school, I ran 13-2 in the hurdles. And I ran 9-6 in the, in, the, uh, in the superstar. 
which is that's the first time I blazing, right? right. Blazing. First time I knew. But I wasn't a real big guy. I was a strong guy. Yeah, yeah. I remember watching that. Yeah. Show. And it was a strategy thing. You know, you had you pick so many events. You got to get points, and, and then and, you get points right. for each event. So it all boiled down to swimming or weightlifting. Sure. Yeah. I wasn't gonna be nobody swimming. Yeah. I might drown. Yeah. And so I, I went waiting. That was the only reason I chose weightlifting. Yeah. And you killed it. I yeah. remember. Bridgestone knows you want the same thing from your tires as you do from the Cleveland Browns. Performance when it matters most. Which is why Bridgestone tires are built for just that. Whether it's driving up to 50 miles to safety after a flat, confident control in wet conditions, or the dependability of an 80,000 mile limited warranty, Bridgestone's roster of tires has got you covered. Bridgestone, official tire of the NFL. Conditions apply. See BridgestoneTire.com slash warranty for details. Talk about your transition from the college game to the pro game. Well, the first thing that you uh, have to adjust to is if you, if and it was good that at Oklahoma we always went to a bowl game. So our season was a little longer than the 10 games. So maybe 11. But in the pros, it's 14 games, 16 games. You can Field for the first time out, you should be at the end, but but you're not. Yeah. And so that's all a part of working out and conditioning yourself. You you kind of suffer through it the first year, but the second year you you kind of know more ready for it. You're ready. More and ready then if you it. make the playoffs, you when you need to be at your right, best, right, you're your most exhausted. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Did you um, when you came into the league, what was there? that moment that you had where it was sort of welcome to the NFL? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this will be good. <laughs> we played the, the, the Rams in L.A. And uh, when we, the closer we got to the game, it was a preseason game, but it was my first game. And the closer I got, you, I, could, I tell people all the time, you know, butterflies, boy, they terrible. And, I mean, I had them. Yeah. And – it got to the point, me, just to myself, uh, I'm saying, I ain't ready. I ain't ready. After the pregame, I ain't ready. So we go out to flip the coin, and I'm saying, I ain't ready. I hope, I hope, I hope we don't win the toss. Please don't let us win the toss. <laughs> we win the toss. I said, oh, God, now we got to go in. So I go back. I'm the right guy. I'm the uh, right returner. I'm hoping that uh, Al Table calls a left return. That means the other guy gets the ball. He calls right return. So I'm back there. I'm saying, well, maybe they won't kick it to me. They kick it to me. So I go, I'm going left. Instead of running the left return, it like opens up. I mean, you can get a Mack truck in there sideways. And I left my blocking <laughs> and I cut up. And somebody hit me that I never saw. And I, you can hear the crowd go, Ooh. <laughs> so I, I get up, and the guy helps me up, and he says, welcome to the NFL. Very first play. That was the first play. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm jogging up, what? <laughs> was there – how much harder did that hit feel than anything you experienced in college? Did, could you tell that it was a, a big jump up or no? Well, yeah, probably one of my hardest hits. In, in fact, and really my whole career because uh, – uh, being a rookie and not doing what I was supposed to do, I set myself up. But I, I made an uh, effort after that that I was always a moving target yeah. or one side or, or the other side. And if you tried to square me up to really put a blow, I would leave you standing there. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't want to take those clean shots again. Right. Very good. Um, who was your guy when you got here that sort of took you under their wing and taught you how to be a pro? Uh, I became real good friends with uh, Ben Davis. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ben was the shortest guy on the team when I came here. And then officially, he be, he became the second shortest guy because <laughs> I took over that position. And any time we took photographs or whatever, Ben was always next to me because <laughs> right. he was yeah. about this much taller than me. Uh, Leroy spent uh, a lot of time. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Leroy was a guy, he was very comfortable at, at his position. He wasn't threatened. Yeah. Uh, that somebody was gonna take his job, and I, I remember when when I first came here and I met Leroy. Leroy about five eleven, and I'm saying, well, he's just about that much taller than me. He's definitely not faster than me. I said, I, I figured about a month I'll have his job, <laughs> and so we played preseason game, and Leroy just he just smooth at what yeah. he does and how he does it. 
So I get in the game, and we had this uh, rookie veteran. So rookie running back, veteran fullback, and the, the veteran was Bo Scott. Oh, okay. And uh, so I don't know what happened, but in the huddle, he, t- he, he made a comment to me. He said, hey, rookie, he said, settle down. It's going to be all right. He said, you put your hand on my hip, and I'm going to lead you to glory. So to this day, he comes to the games. When he, when he comes to the game, the first thing I do is I grab him, I spin him around. He yeah. said, what you doing? I said, I'm trying to see if that handprint on your butt is still there. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty good. Yeah. You know, when you got here, the, um, the lineage of Brown's running backs, you had oh, yeah. Jim, yeah. who yeah. was a decade yeah. before, right. and then another Hall of Famer on his heels in yeah. Leroy, right. Right. and then you're a – essentially a first-round pick, right, very right, high draft right, pick. Right. How did that affect the way you looked at how you had to do your job, knowing that the guys that were just before you well, were all-time greats? Well, because I knew they knew what a, uh, a, a great running back looked like. You couldn't be falling. So it gave they you confidence. Right away. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yes. Interesting. And this, this game, this team was uh, very conscious of the part that running backs play in their success. Offensively, and well, probably like the end of my career, seven, eight year, you know, this league started going toward throwing the ball more than passing. They're trying to do it now, but the running backs won't let them. Yeah, no, they won't. <laughs> they won't they keep coming <laughs> back to running back. The Mike Pruitt, Greg Pruitt backfield yeah. was yeah. always one of my favorites. Yes. Um, yeah. What was it like playing with a guy in the backfield with the same last name? Well, uh, you know, well, one of the things with, with, with Mike is Mike told, and he warned me, and he told the truth. Because, you know, I never got a 1,000 yards with Mike blocking for me. And he told me, he said, they don't pay me to block. They pay me to run the ball. And, sh- and he, sh- he, sh- he certainly showed me a lot of examples <laughs> of it during the course of the game. But Mike was a, was a, was a great running back. It's, and I preach it all the time. It's all about chemistry. Yeah. You have to figure out what a guy who making, who's leading you, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, what can you do to, to help him. Because on every play, there's a key block. And, and that block, if it's not executed, the play pretty much is blown, up. is blown up. And that's not only true with the leading, the back leading you, but with the offensive linemen. Uh, some linemen have favorite blocks, and some linemen have blocks they, they don't like. Yeah. You're one of the few players that actually precipitated a rule change. Yes. Yeah. In the breakaway jerseys. Yeah. How, what is the origin of the tearaway jersey? How did that come to be? And how big a, a part of your game was that? I, I'm, I'm trying to think who initiated the tearaway here on the pro level. In, in college, actually, well, tearaway in, in college, but it, people didn't tear it as much as uh, in the pro. Yeah. And uh, it was more or less my style. I never gave guys a wrap up, block you, dump. They were usually it was pull me down or whatever kind of tackle. And not being a big guy, that was effective for them. But if you gave them only a handful, and that handful was not nothing solid, it it helped. Yeah. But but the style really helped the jersey more so than the jersey helped the style. Sure. That uh, uh, a trivial question. There was another guy on the team that wore tearaway. He was a running back. He never saw his jersey tore, but it was a tearaway. I don't know who that Cleo was. Cleo Miller. Oh, he wore one too. He wore one too, but you, but, but you had to find I me. Mean, you didn't have to find Cleo. You ripped out of how many jerseys? <laughs> a lot. And in fact, I was giving away left and right, and then all of a sudden, they, the rule came in, and I ended up with like no jersey. <laughs> <laughs> they were gone. What's the most that you went through in a game? Oh, probably three or four. I remember it, it got ridiculous. I remember playing the Dallas Cowboys, and we were coming out of the tunnel together. And it, this is uh, a Bob Hayes walks up to me and said, man, is that a tearaway jersey? <laughs> he, and he rips it. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. <laughs> so I had to go back and change my jersey. The thing that I hated about that tearaway was in certain situations, people have game plans. They know the tendencies more likely when they're going to go to me or if they're not. And the guys will tear my jersey to get me out of the game. Oh, right. Plays. So I'm running to the sideline, running back, and, and it's, it's a distraction. You get 30 seconds between plays. Me, I need all of that because when the play is called, I need to know what the play is. The first thing I want to go to is the key block, who's the key block, right. who that is, and set that up. And so now when you have to run and take a jersey, that time 
is taken away. Yeah. And so you're not, you kind of running in the blind. It's almost instinctively. Take me back to the Raiders playoff game. <clears throat> oh, um, boy. Yeah. Red Ride 88. <laughs> Red Ride 88 is tough. What, do you, what yeah. do you most remember about that game, that play? Well, I remember uh, we were going down. Uh, and I, I caught the pass that put us on the 16-yard line. It was a 70 dig to the running back. And it was cold that day and they had the heat benches in the slots. You had to sit down and you could put your fingers in like that, but your toes, you had to turn around and stick your toes in the slots, which made, made you put your back to the field. Mm -hmm. So when I, when I caught that pass, uh, we were in field goal range. So I pretty much came off and we, 100% of the time, uh, we had these different packages and the package we put in was called Big Back Backfield, which was Cleo Miller, and, and Mike Pruitt. Right. We 100% of the time ran the ball. So when that happened, I thought we were positioning the ball. Setting up the because kick. Because Cockcroft had missed two kicks right. going that way. So I go to the sideline and I'm, I got my fingers and my toes and the thing and my back is turned. You remember the movie, The Longest Yard? Yeah. Okay, this is kind of that reenactment of that. Because I'm talking to these guys about we finna party, man, we ain't we gonna see this city like we ain't never seen this city before. And then I, the guy's expression was like, which made me look, and when I went to look, Brian was dropping back to throw that football. And it was all like slow motion, don't throw <laughs> no. that ball. <laughs> right. And he threw that interception, man. And so it was very disappointing. Uh, at the moment, very, very disappointing. A lot of people upset, uh, but as you, calm down and you figure out how you got to that position. It was from the arm of Brian and the confidence in Brian and, and the confidence he had in us as players. And if Sam sends Don out there to kick and he misses, he doesn't get out of the building alive. Probably. <laughs> so it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. Well, he was, in a, he, was, he was in a tough situation because what we hadn't seen Two things we hadn't seen. We hadn't seen Cockcroft mix two, kick, two, two field goals like that. It was, the weather was terrible. But we had seen Brian come back from so many games. Now, um, ironically for me, the next year I'm with the Raiders. Yeah. And first day uh, we had a ceremony because the Raiders are always bringing veterans in from other places. And so one of the things they do is introduce the new players to the rest of the team. And so they had introduced a couple of the other guys from, from the other uh, teams. And then they introduced me, Lyle, and Don Good. And Lyle was standing next to me when they introduced us. And they gave us a standing ovation. Wow. And when they did that, Lyle leans back and he whispers. He said, Prue, they must think we still can play. <laughs> 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 and so they, uh, uh, one of the guys heard us and said, no, because of you guys, we, we got the Super Bowl. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. How hard was it for you guys watching them go on to win the Super Bowl, knowing that easily could have been you guys? That should have been us. It should have been. That could have, should have been yeah. us. And uh, they, I, I don't know if any other team has done it since, but they may be the only team as a wild card to win it all. They're, I think it has happened maybe, since, maybe but they once, may have been the first to they, do they it. They were the first. Yeah. Right, right. But what? I say this, that being, having played with the Raiders, in 80-degree weather, we got what we, we call six-on-six, six, which is receivers, linebackers, running backs. Mike Davis, if you were going to pick on a defensive back, it would have been Mike Davis. Yeah. Because he couldn't catch. And he had managed to catch that ball in 30, 38 below. Weather was, it just wasn't meant to be. That's, That's what, what champions do, yeah, I that guess. That's what they do, yeah. yeah. When you hear Red Right 88, what do you think? I, well, I don't think it was the the play itself. No, but it's uh, what it represents. What it, what it represents. Well, it, it, it brings back bad memories, you know. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I'm I'm old enough now to to understand how our success really set we set ourselves up. It, it was. I mean, we waited for what happened to happen five or six times during the course of the year. Did you we guys just, have heart attacks? Because we did watching. Well, I, for, for be honest with you, 
we had this crazy confidence uh, when the games got tight, the pressure was more on the other teams than it was on us. You felt you had them right where you wanted we had them. We had them right where we wanted I, I mean, everything just fell in play. We played the Kansas City Chiefs, and we were down. This was our last drive. And I run that flag pass, same pattern that caught it in the, in the game. And the defensive back jumped up and broke the pass up. And he gets up, and he's, he's taunting. Uh, his hand in my face. Ain't gonna be none of that uh, comeback crap today. I said, "Why you got to put your hand in my face? You got you can't talk uh, without using your hand." I do it, and that's so why I hit him. He hit me, and I hit him in the back. We get thrown out of the game. <laughs> the replacement was a rookie. Reggie beat him on the next play for a touchdown, <laughs> and we win the game. We win the game. So I get I, I get thrown out of the game, so I know I'm gonna get a fine. So I start working on Sam. I say, Sam, now. I just want you to know that I really expect the team to pick up that Because <laughs> if said, not what you for mean? that, we lose. What you mean? I said, listen, I, 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 sit, in, I sit in meetings. I, I know the backup to the guy was a rookie. I had to get him out of the game some <laughs> kind of way, Sam. And Sam looked at me and he thought for a second. He said, man, that is really a good one, but you're going to pay your own fine. <laughs> <laughs> what was, did you have a favorite teammate? During your years here, who was your guy? Probably Cleo. We, yeah. Cleo and I lived together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he was your guy. Yeah. What was it like playing with Brian in those years? Well, because he's another guy that was undersized. And I, I, th- I, I say um, he, he's the best average guy in terms of physical ability that you'll ever see. Brian didn't have a real, real strong arm, but he had. He was very quick in his thinking. He was very quick in what he saw. And he was very patient with those short passes. Yeah. He would wear you down. You got tired of that six yard, eight yard. I mean, it got it got it became infectious. Yeah. I mean, he would call a halfback option. I go, I tell a linebacker option, you can't stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it was death by a million it cuts. Was, right, because well, you actually you're setting them up. First of all, you're dealing with a linebacker. Right. So their mentality is completely different from everybody else's. So. <clears throat> My, my, my route is based on what he does. Yeah. If he's outside, I go inside. If he's inside, I go outside. If he bumps me, I, I run a fade. It's, it's about that simple. If he yeah. blitzes, I become hot. It's, none, it's nothing the linebacker can do. Right. He has to respond which to is, you at which some is, point. Which is amazing to me that we don't see the play more today. Why don't we see I, it? I, I, that's a puzzle. Is it, I, are, the, are the linebackers today better athletes? Well, I think sometimes in they. Coverage? Well, I don't know. They, the, the, we had one of the best linebackers in football covering backs in, yeah. in, in Clay Matthews. Yeah. And so I went against Clay Matthews. He couldn't stop it. So wow. I, I'm not going to say they didn't have guys as good as Clay, but it was just a mismatch. In fact, one of the solutions to it was they would actually take the, the linebacker out and cover us with, with a cornerback. Right, right. Which, for us, we run the ball. Sure. You took a tackle off the field. Yeah. We run the ball. Um, what, was, what was it like leaving Cleveland after such a long and successful career here? Well, I did not like California. I, I had been here long enough that I, 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 I snow skied. I, you know, I look forward to <laughs> getting cold. Right. And uh, I know what time of the year it was, but basically just looking outside. California looked the same every day, every day. And the cost of living is extremely high. And so I was actually paying, paying more for one bedroom, unfurnished apartment than I was for my home in Shaker. And that just every day I, and that didn't even include parking. Parking was extra. I just, I just, that irked me every day. Yeah. So, uh, I couldn't wait to come back here. And then, and then the other thing was, uh, the Oakland fans were great, but the L.A. fans, yeah. I mean, Aaron and Nanny, you, had to look, you had to look back to see if they were back there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> if you were winning, they were there. They if were there, losing, right. They were right, going home. Right. What was it like for you coming to the conclusion or the, the, the ultimate decision that uh, your playing days were behind you and you were, you were about to enter the afterlife? Well, I was with the Raiders, and if you remember my – Two of the years I were there, maybe one year, the USFL tried to come into existence, mm-hmm. and then the the, uh, the uh, NFL. Uh, Cause see, the AFC NFC Al was a part of that, so he knew the way that that they got in, 
he wasn't gonna let the USFL do the same thing. Right. So he he reduced the the rosters and he signed all the quarterbacks. So that means you shut them down. He shut them down. Right. And so when they won that lawsuit and they beat them on trying to come in, the rosters uh, went back down. They, they 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 raised them. I think like. 58 from 51 to 58 then they went back down to right. 51 so if you you take the eight people times 2018 that did it that's a, that's a lot of players yeah. and so uh it was my gonna be my 13th year but cliff branch wanted to play another year and and al well, he was loyal to his players and he, sure. he brought me in and told me he said listen I, they watch me if it was me i would hide you out or hire somebody out and let you play another year but uh I can't do it. Cliff has seniority over it, so you know I enjoyed you playing here. And thank you for your service. You could have gone somewhere else. Ah, but at that you didn't at that to. time, I had seen enough. Yeah. Football. Yeah. How was your transition from NFL well, player to? Well, I had a business. I had an electronics business before yeah. I retired. So, or when I retired, I just went into that. Yeah. So it was pretty smooth for you the transition. Oh yeah, yeah. Right. It gets frustrating watching games, and Games are there to be had, yeah. and, and nobody makes the play. Uh, they don't do the right. That becomes very, very, very frustrating. I know? can imagine. Yeah. What do you most miss about playing in the NFL? I, I kid all, people all the time. I say I don't, I don't miss the play. I miss the pay. <laughs> <laughs> Take the money out of it. <laughs> Take right. What What is the What is the part you do miss the most? Uh, teamsmanship. You know, yeah. your teammates and, yes, and, you know, every day you get to see guys and uh, y'all think a lot, y'all prepare a lot yeah. alike. And so you get each other. You, you, you get each other. Yeah. yeah. What what did you not miss? Two a day. <laughs> They're soft now, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know they what don't they, even do it now. I don't know what they call that. They don't even do I, it now. I, right? we, well, you know, me with uh, some of the team, I say, I wonder what these guys would be if they went to a Forest Greg camp. I mean, when I was in camp, I tell people this, we actually had guys that quit. Every day he would get up for a meeting and somebody would give their roommate or their teammate the playbook to turn in. Done. They done. Pro football. And a lot of us were stacking the same thing, but we didn't well, do it. Forrest <laughs> learned from Vince. Oh, there man. There's nothing uh, easy in that no, system. There's nothing easy. Uh, Forrest was... And, and, and I think at a, he made us a tougher team, but it took almost like a two-year transition. I think uh, the first year he worked us so hard, he made us tougher, but he run us out of gas. Yeah. You know, midway through the season, we were, we were You're done, done. Yeah. because it was so, <laughs> so tough up front. And then after that, we learned that, and he backed off a little bit, and we were, we were a better team. What do you like to do now? I see. I know you like to golf. How do you spend your time? Well, uh, if you ask me, I'll tell you I hunt, I fish, and I play golf. If you ask my friends, they'll tell you that I, I fish, play golf, and I sleep in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> That's about it, too, yeah, right? Yeah. How do you want Cleveland Browns fans to remember you? Uh, I would say I was um, a great player. I, I played as hard as I could play when I played. I played to win. Uh, and that I understood uh, the fans of Cleveland. Uh, I appreciated them. Uh, it made a difference for me. And I tell people all the time, we all have jobs. Just think about it. how many Mondays do you feel like going, going to work? And then you may go in and you may not get started right away or excited about getting started. Well, in football, you can't do that. You got to start from the get. So that was a lot of Sundays that I did, wasn't feeling it. But when I hit that tunnel and those people stand up and those people cheer the way they cheer, I feel fortunate because it's no question. They would play if they could play. Yeah. And I get to. It's a good way of looking yeah. at it. What was that feeling like walking up those dugout steps, seeing 80,000 fans just oh, waiting I, to I go mean, nuts? I, I expected it. I, I was never disappointed. Uh, I, I tell you uh, one last true story. Play Pittsburgh. 
and we playing Pittsburgh, nobody told me it was like Oklahoma, Texas, or Oklahoma, Nebraska. I should have known yeah. in the practices, but I wasn't starting Leroy Kelly. It was his problem. It wasn't my problem. <laughs> so uh, Leroy had got hurt a couple weeks, and he was playing with injury, trying to play with the injury, and he started. But So in the game here, we play here. Uh, Leroy gets hurt, and I get in the game, uh, and uh, I catch a pass. Uh, it was the it was the Pittsburgh play where uh, Phipps did the great escape. Oh yeah! And uh, he throws the pass to me, and then we come back. We get it to like the nineteen or the twelve or whatever. We only we we got maybe two plays, but I run a sweep to the left and score. And there's only seconds left in the game. And when we when we score, the fans hit the field, and they're rocking the goal poles. And, uh, and then it, I look up. It's like. The field is full of people, and I, and when you get one or two people patting you and congratulate you, that's once. When you get like ten thousand people patting you on the helmet and shoulder, that's a beatdown. <laughs> and so I'm looking because of the old stadium, we took the field through the dugout. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm panicking. I'm looking for the looking for the dugout. And I look, I see the dugout, and I go running over to the dugout. When I get to the dugout, we got security there, so I can stand at the top of the steps of the dugout and watch these people just go crazy. And then I'm saying, man. Nothing like it. It's nothing like that. And then it done. The light went up. I ran the winning touchdown. <laughs> I'm going to be on TV. <laughs> More than once. And I'm standing there, and I'm, I'm asking myself questions I think the reporters are going to ask me, and I'm practicing my answers. And so I do that for maybe a minute or so, and so I go down the steps, and I go up the tunnel, and I make my grand entry. I'm in the Pittsburgh Steeler locker room. I ran into the wrong <laughs> dugout. Get out of here. That's a true story. Wow. <laughs> they were not happy. There's nothing <laughs> like the old stadium. No, nothing There's like nothing it. Like yep. it. <laughs> Greg, I appreciate it. It's great hey, catching you. up with you. All right. And uh, yeah. continued success to you. Thank you. Greg Go Pruitt, Browns. one of the all-time greats. Thanks so much for watching us on Club 46, driven by Bridgestone. We'll be back with you again next week when we sit down with another either current or former all-time great Cleveland Brown. Thanks for watching. We'll see you soon.